morning, angels. Happy Monday. It's Monday. Monday. Woo! Monday, right? Let's get this energy popping. It's Monday. You know, when I had my kids growing up, once we were in our home and it was a family thing and we had to do this family thing without working, both of us, you know. I was part-time, but I still worked. So we had to have this business to ensure that the kids had their situation at school on point two. I needed to be involved. We needed to be involved, right? So today I wanted to talk about exposure and the importance of um, exposing your children to more than just that block, that community, that church, that state, that city. You know what I mean? I know right now during COVID, that's why this is such a sick, crazy time. And we have to really look deeper past what is really happening, right? But in the meantime, we still have to figure out ways to be creative. And I'm seeing online some great things, some of my urban Baltimore um angels are doing with their kids like I noticed that they had like a, um, I think they have movie night or something and so with their movie night they had like wing night like they had pizza night and so the kids did but that was like that's home right but some people don't even do little things like that with their kids like be, growing up in an urban environment or a rural environment now when I say urban I'm thinking black Latino you know the urban uh, non-blacks that are there that probably most likely are immigrants, descendants of immigrants. So their families came into these urban areas and they're not black, they're not Hispanic, right? So in the rural sense, usually I'm thinking, you know, rural, mountainous, um, you know, white, Mississippi. And even in rural, we do know that we have farmers and stuff. So that's rural too. So Imagine for those who are listening, the angels that are listening, I know that the angels that came here with like some sort of purpose, but some of us were just too, um, too love, you know, I don't know, too, too gentle coming to this earth and the indoctrination was just too powerful. Or the angels that I have in mind came with the angel that came because they wanted a better, you know, idea of running things themselves. They made me, I don't know, I can't tell you. But what I want to say is, angels, parents, guardians, if you have the lives of young people in your environment, if you yourself did not really get to travel a lot, get out to see things, didn't get to really spend time at homes with people who are doing way better than you, like, like mini mansions or mansions at the time because now they have more mini mansions and just beautiful townhomes. You know, just places that are pretty. It's important for our children, even if we don't have it to offer them, we expose them to it and we have to teach our children to not be envious. That's super important also. Envy is so horrific. It can do such horrible things to you. But the way I transformed like my thoughts so that that spirit, because I believe that envy is a spirit. And so the way I kept envy from latching on to me was I just was moved it around in my head to where I was like, oh, I can get this. Like somebody has this. And especially, you know, unfortunately, it's really difficult back in the past to really um, expose your kids to people of color who were doing really well if you were urban, right? 
they didn't often associate with the urbans who weren't or the blacks that weren't doing so great they had to keep it you know amongst themselves with like with their kids with jack and jill and things like that right so if you don't have situations like jack and jill for the urban child with the parent that doesn't have a degree or isn't a billion dollar baby that's got best friends that are Greeks that help them get in to places like Jack and Jill. If you don't know what Jack and Jill is, it's actually a play group, an international play group that, um, and I, I'm not going to say international, it's a national play group. It's a national play group set up by Boule Blacks. And we'll talk about that. I've talked about it in the past, but at some point, but right now, I don't want to get off track. But Jack and Jill seemed like such a great concept. I love the idea. And as a hair designer, a high-end hair designer who, you know, did, you know, high-end clients, they, you know, would be like, oh, I want you to be a part of Jack and Jill. But I guess when they brought it to the council of the boule, you know, they were like, oh, no, she doesn't have a degree, you know, she's not, you know, professional or whatever their standards were that kept others out. These were people that looked like us in an environment like in a country where we were already ostracized by people who didn't look like us. And now we finally get something and y'all ostracizing us. Because everybody knows that not everybody with money has well-behaved kids. Right? Some of the, from me volunteering, my husband and I myself volunteering in the school systems in urban environments, the most horribly behaved children were the ones with stuff, with parents that had nursing degrees or, you know, were attorneys or whatever that decided to stay and be like the cool people in the community with the bigger this and the more that. And they, you know, and those kids were really shitty behaved. So in talking about exposure, we, we can't continue to allow ourselves to push away other people because they, and and I, I don't think we should get involved in boule groups. I don't think they're cool. I don't chase fad um, following madness. If you don't want to bring us all up, then who the hell are you? You're mentally ill, right? So in exposing our children, it might just start with, right now again, let's keep in mind COVID is going on, but there are things going on or you could just do it yourself. So I'm just going to give you an example. Before COVID, years before when my kids were small, my husband made sure on the days that he had to do it alone, instead of sitting in the house with the children, he went to the park. But he didn't just grab the kids and say, come on, kids, let's go to the park. And, and actually, it started with our son, right? Because that was our first parenting experience. So our daughter didn't get to go to the park like that. She had a park in her in her yard, so she didn't get to go to the park like that, but Aaron grew up in an apartment in New York City, and so Central Park, right across the street from us was Central Park, and that was his playground. So, um, what my husband did was, on the days that he was going to be there by himself, and I hope that my father angels are listening, because a lot of fathers fall short in how they handle taking the care of the kids at home, and that's how kids get into things, you know, or get hurt, or, or just feel sad and miss mommy and make her feel bad about going off to try to work or you know do her part or whatever she's doing get her energy going so um he would 
looked through the local things going on, right? From the library to the Central Park. And believe it or not, they had programs. There's always some sort of program. Libraries are the best with the programs. And again, with COVID, obviously things have been limited. But the park is still open. And I know that there were some places, from what I heard, that the park was actually closed. But now I'm hearing more that the park is still open, right? So if the park is open, and if the park's not open, we have families out there with big old playgrounds in their backyards. We cannot, like, okay, we're afraid of COVID, right? So how about before we plan a playgroup, because everything's being set up online now because of the way everything's working with COVID. So if that's going to be the thing that happens, then we have to make sure that we plan to make sure we do what we got to do to counter the impacts of COVID. So if you have a friend and they're supposed to be good people and they've invited you over, but your own weird envy, jealousy issues have stopped you from visiting because you don't want the kids to see this big house that's bigger than yours because you already trained them to be kids that want what other people have, right? Work on that. That's okay. It happened. You got effed up, but you're still here. You don't have COVID. You know, you're not in a crash. You didn't lose people. Stuff ain't happening. Be grateful for that, and let's work on where we are, right? And where we are is we have to start triggering out how to expose our children. So one of the things that we didn't do is we didn't really waste money on um, Ugg boots and, you know, designer name things to give the image of having. We didn't do that. What what we did do is pay for our children to be involved in activities. And and crazy enough, doing that can seem like, a, you know, okay, we're trying to have. No, we're just trying to expose, you know. Like, do you think you might like this? My daughter was a child who would say, I would like to do this. Ooh, I would like to. Like, she just had these random thoughts in her head. And, you know, it's crazy. So did we. I had random thoughts in my head growing up. Who would think to take the, you know, we had a grocery store or like a local little market, but it was like our local mini grocery store, you know, and they had shopping carts. And so we would often find the shopping carts like where obviously like even my grandma, an older person might walk with their groceries down the street with the cart, but they just weren't kind enough to take it the hell back. Right? Ever so often, not all the time. And so we would get our hands on the damn thing. And where would I get the notion to have my my (laughs) cousin Micah in the front? Because we spent our times with our grandma, all of us all together. And sometimes we lived on the property because there were two houses, right? And so my cousins were often there. So we were all together like the little rascals. It was crazy. So anyway, my cousin Micah would put a rope around his neck or through his teeth. Sincerely, because we needed authenticity. And he would be my horse. And, and sometimes we would incorporate other friends that we met at school that happened to be like maybe two bus stops away when I was being bused. So they too weren't so far and they had the guts to get on the bus or just walk <laughs> and come visit us and get to have the fun that we experienced with our cousins. You know, they would take on that fun, you know. And so there was this one boy, poor Chucky, oh no, it was my friend Tina, who was an older friend who watched over me when I started busing to this one school that my mom sent me to. And Tina felt responsible for me, for real. My mom must have put something on her heart. 
and she, you know, protected me. So they became friends, and they used to come over to my grandma's and play with us sometimes. And, God, poor Chucky, I am now on top of this cart with the, we somehow took these ties, and we locked the cart part that swung, you know, that pushed in, and we hooked it to the top where you could sit on top of it. And so we sat there, and that, and under, inside were some other cousins with their feet hanging forward, facing the opposite way. And they were playing, we were playing like we were horse and carriage days. And I'm not going to say that I didn't get the notion, because I didn't see it, because I didn't get to watch TV growing up in the beginning. But um, my great-grandma, we used to have to go sit with her on mornings on certain days, when there was nobody to babysit us all, until Grand got back. And she used to tell us stories of the horse and carriage days. So those stories used to give me a chance, I guess, to have my imagination work. And then maybe I did get to see some books. I don't know. But all I know is I was creating a situation with a horse and carriage, you know, with the bridle and everything in this little boy's mouth. And it started out with my cousin Micah. And then having two of them, two horses was amazing. So poor Chucky decided to jump in because it looked so fun. And he became a horse. And then I crashed by accident, and it banged his mouth on the ground and chipped his tooth. And so it, both of them broke them, and he screamed, oh, my God. Uh, they had to get home, and we had to wait for my mom to get there so she could give him a ride. So it was the most torturous thing, watching him cry, uh, Tina hold him. And he was tough as nails. We loved Chuck. He was tough as nails. So anyway, so we played it. <laughs> And I had a notion about it. And that's how my daughter was. She used to get these notions. And so, like, she would make shivs. She was a trip out of bark. So one of the notions she got was she wanted a horse. And so I, I got her little things like a rocking horse. I got her the stickhead horse. You know, I was getting her little Barbie horses. You know, anything that they had horsey like to keep her busy in the house because I knew they were expensive. I wanted a horse. Couldn't afford it. But the crazy thing was friends in Florida that I was growing up with, they were they're white kids and they had money. And so they had horses and they never, ever told me. I didn't learn that they had horses until we were like 16 years old and they had had those horses since they were like 12, maybe 10, I don't know. And so that was crazy. So anyway, I exposed Kelsey to horses. She started out, I think she got on, she started out wanting them, visiting them, touching them at two, three years old. She started looking for them at two and a half on the internet, studying, looking for horses online. Yes, she was, in two and a half. And so by three, she was full on, like needed a horse. And I was like, okay, so let's consider lessons. So I started looking for places and where we were at the time was shockingly, horrifically racist. So I had, you know, I wasn't excited about searching there. So I started looking in Brooklyn, you know. I was willing to go to the end of the earth for her to get exposed to this horsing thing. And so for those who know her now, you know, she got her lesson. She got her first opportunity to sit on a horse at five years old and be walked around and go visit every weekend at this place in, um, it was called something, International Horsing Something, something, I can't remember the ranch, but they got indoctrinated, white society wanted it, fought them, took it. They couldn't keep it together. The new generation wasn't as passionate. And so, you know, there went exposure for the people who had passed through Brooklyn or Queens and, you know, see, uh, you know, these horses. It was must, It was a beautiful sight. So anyway, that was her first experience. And then finally, after getting to know people in the community, 
and introducing ourselves and popping around and fighting for education, we got a certain level of respect. And so I was able to move about differently. And um, I found a place. And it was like a therapeutic farm with Spring Farms or something like that in Warwick, New York. And so they had um, a horsing program. And the crazy thing is Kelsey was getting traumatized due to racism because she wanted to go to school and I finally let her and she was being ignored until she stopped swallowing. So I, it was therapy for her, funny enough, taking her there and it really was a blessing and I saw it. So now I was determined to ensure that she got this horsing thing in, right? So the crazy thing was, while her little friend who was a biracial little girl um, who, whose mother was trying to, I guess, keep up and give her Uggs and you know, and it wasn't a polo jacket. Like, she was trying to keep up with designer things, but she would let them get really dirty and run down. And so now the little girl just looked messy and mixed and messy-haired. Where Kelsey didn't have designer things on, and if she did, we got it from TJ Maxx or Marshalls, and it was just like, or Target, and it was probably like on the clearance rack, you know? But she was new and shiny. But guess what she was doing? She was taking horseback riding lessons and... Aside from that, she was also skiing every winter, had her own snowboard. So did my son. So when my son was little and we were city people, we lived in the city before moving to the mountainous rural suburbs. My husband had city, it was Central Park. And Central Park had a playhouse so that you can do like little programs, like little plays and different things. You could go watch them, participate in them, do arts and crafts. Central Park had a pool, so in the summer they took my son took swimming lessons, and when my daughter was born, she took them too, as like a three-month-old or whatever age it was that that was the age limit. Rory had those kids out there. Aaron went to the park every day. He started his day at two and a half. Rory had a routine with Aaron when I was working Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Aaron would have go to the Rory would take Aaron to the library and get him, you know, he got his library card. As soon as he was aged to try to scribble his little name, he could get his library card. And Rory was determined to get him his little library card. And I love that about my husband. And so he got him the library card and their routine was library, sit and read books, get some, check some books out. So they would have books to read when Ami got home so I could read him books at night because daddy worked nights. So I put Aaron to bed so he got his stories, right? It was a really awesome team situation. And so, but Rory's commitment to exposure, Rory's commitment to exposure was really uh, just a beautiful thing. And so, because I got to go to the parks and stuff, but I never, and to, you know, my mom took us to, never to Disney, the weirdest thing, but I guess maybe because it was fantasy, my mom was such a realist, power woman, Black Panther, you know, huh. And so we didn't get to go do like commercial things like that, but we did get a chance like with her group of friends, you know, with all of their people to go to places. But with Rory, he got Aaron to the park right after um, the library. They would go to the park and then they would break for lunch, walk home, and then they would, Aaron would take a nap and then Rory would head back out to the park and let him play on the playground until he pooped himself out. Then they'd be, oftentimes on my way back home, I would see them crossing, you know, over, you know, on their way back. It was just really sweet. But that was exposing him to not just being stuck on the block, is what I'm trying to say. Not just being stuck as a latchkey kid in the pretty house that you got him in, but you got to work so hard that you can't be there when your kids get home. And that's okay, it happens. 
but we got to communicate with our kids in a way that never makes them feel like they're being superheroes. They're listening. You got to talk to them. Right? So it's not just about exposure. It's also about communication. So my show will be called Exposure, but in the midst of in this conversation, I would really like, or this speech, <laughs> I would like to really also drive home the importance of communicating, and that's FaceTime with your kids. When you get home, yes, you'll be cooking. Let girly help. Let so sir help, even if you have a male child. And don't say things like, oh, it's going to make him. It's not. It's going to make him a chef, right? We want to not label our kids negative labels. If it's got a negative connotation hooked to it, don't label them that. I have an auntie, and I've mentioned this before. She was my absolute favorite aunt in the world because she didn't make me feel like she didn't like me. She loved me. She just wasn't perfect. But a great lady like that that was so brilliant, so pretty, so smelled so great, so ambitious, so socially, you know, positive and able. Ah, I love my auntie Linda. God rest her soul. She has passed on. But um, she used to do this thing, though, that she would speak, like, negativity into people's kids. And I didn't like that. And so, at first, because of the way she would say it with a smile sometimes with us, I thought it was funny. But as I got older and saw that a lot of my cousins and her own friends' kids were taking on the lifestyle of the words that I heard her speak myself, I started feeling, like, you know, protective. And I didn't like it. And so I would spiritually battle my aunt. And I'm sure her kids, who were my best friend sisters, they grew up like with me in the house sometimes. They were in our home with us, or we shared my grandmother's house. That was the extra house that was on the property. So we were together. They were like my sisters. And I loved them, like my sisters. We always used to say, they used to say, your kids are going to call me auntie. And they got a chance to, Aaron got a chance to, Kelsey's never met them. But, um... Because our indoctrinations of new interracial relationships and the drama of the earth stepped in and the love wasn't powerful enough to um, let them know where our positions were within each other. I always knew when I'm right here, you know, but they struggle and it's okay. You know, it's sad, but it's okay. So the important thing, though, is that they got a chance. My cousins, my auntie made sure she was always pulling them out of that when they did live with us. They, they still got a chance to um, be away. Like they went to a magnet school back when that was a new thing. And, you know, it had like the Arquettes, the actor family Arquettes went to their school. They had amazing things going on, as a lot of people know that what they were like back then before they became just um, investments for big business and prison for profit. Um, they went to, you know, so that my auntie Linda was always pulling them away, taking them to friends' houses that had beautiful homes because she had friends that were judges and stuff. And she worked in a hospital. So she was like a little, not an RA, you know, or maybe that, no, she, yeah, she was like an RA, a resident assistant. And so she was exposed to doctors and stuff. And the way she was out there shooting her shit and running it, game, etc. You know, my auntie was a hustler, baby. Pretty light skin, green eye, red hair. Auntie Linda, right? But she exposed her kids, and I saw that, and I wanted to expose mine because I didn't really get to be exposed. My brother, you know, often, because he went to school in the Valley, so he took buses, and he was out there exposing himself, you know. And then he went on, as he, you know, got older, he went on to travel the world. But for me, I'm a California girl. I lived in Miami. You know, I moved to New York. My husband and I pretty much traveled all over the United States 
we didn't get everywhere, but we really secretly always promised to do that. And I pray that in the, before our earth ends, we'll get to get our RV and travel across the world. I mean, the United States. I love the idea of traveling around the world. And in my heart from a little girl, I wanted to travel. So moving from, my, from L.A., I grew up in South Central L.A. until I was about 12. And my mom met a Jamaican man and he moved us, you know, they married and he moved us to Miami. And so I was removed from South Central L.A., and it was getting pretty bad. You know, my mom and, you know, the family grew up when it was a different type of neighborhood. You know, people, white people from the universities, you know, used to live in these courts that became Mexican courts. And they used to be like, white people used to be like tanning on the grass, my mom said, playing, you know, volleyball. And, you know, it was just a different, they were like the first black families to move in. It was different. And they started hauling ass. It was called white flight. But, um, you know, I may got into my head because every summer we were with my grandmother once we were, the cousins moved into their own respective places. They would come back in the summers and be at our place and spend summers with Grant. And so we'd all be together. And Auntie Linda made sure we had the educational things. We had a book we had to read. We had to do a book report by the end of the summer. We had to do vocabulary every week. When Auntie Linda showed up, we had to have this information for her. And it was a fun thing to do. It built us. And that's why I speak like I do. You know, a lot of California people don't speak like this, but all of my family members do. If you hear us, their friends and kids would say, you sound like my mom or you sound like my, you know, like so-and-so. Because we grew up being educated by our educated grandmother who was exposed in her way. But I don't know how far she got out. We never got a chance to have those types of conversations. So I have 14 minutes left in my trip. Um, I wanted to say that in exposing, I, I want you to make a conscious effort to, you know, try if you have a chance to have your family around you and COVID's not keeping you apart. You know, if people aren't sick, go see them. You know, fuck that. If people aren't sick, go see them. If you chose to keep people out for Thanksgiving and they're hurting and you know they could be hurting, don't do that. I promise you things could be great to, for you today, but if you're not walking in the glory of God, you could change tomorrow in a minute, in an hour. It's crazy. Walk in the light by being a blessing to others. Okay? Expose your children not to these freaking Ugg boots. They, you know, if you get them born on, raised on that crap where they're looking at people, looking, looking, and thinking that's the way, you know, hey, that's your problem. That's the indoctrination that you have to fight. But if you want healthier kids, don't do that to them. The money you would waste on wasting it on constant fast food, cook. And you want to fast get bags of chicken nuggets and put them in the oven, bags of fries, and put them in the oven, but save that money and buy them an opportunity to go on the slopes this winter. Even if it's just too big. But I challenge you to step it up, find out how much it's going to be to rent, and, and take them skiing. Okay? If you got kids stuck at home, find a thing online and learn with them together. Even if it takes a month or longer, learn to play some chess with your little ones. Just learn. Get their hands on Expose them. Because that's going to work their brain and it can take them into different environments. My son was blowing minds at three and four years old and five years old at Central Park and different environments playing chess because his daddy exposed him. You know, he was on the slopes at two and a half years old. 
Kelsey was on the in her snowboard at three years old, four years old. Aaron was finally segued into snowboarding at an older age, eight or nine, whatever it was. But Daddy was bringing people. I remember white people were saying to us, "Ena's kids." To their clients, you know, the hair designer owners, salon owners were like, Ena's kids are into everything. That's the glory of God putting it on my heart to ensure that they're not, I wasn't telling the stories of the problem teenagers. I didn't have those stories. And my mom was always telling me, you'll see, you'll see. Nope. I was giving them the FaceTime they needed, even though I was exhausted. My daughter would be at my feet while I'm sitting on the toilet, my favorite place to relax and unwind. She'd be right at my feet with her coloring book or her homework, telling me about school and I would welcome it. I wanted the time, but I got it, but I shared it with her. Exposure, FaceTime with your kids, not just giving them a hard time, FaceTime and to hear them talk you to death. Okay, if you need a little Coke, in, I mean a little um, rum in that Coke to unwind after work because you know that you're now about to engage, not every damn night. But this night you're giving up your time that you need. Okay, so go ahead and have that little glass of wine. Have that little rum and coke to relax yourself. But if it's going to make you crazy and beat them and scream at them, don't do it. Wait till you've finished and you got them into their environment to get ready to resting. Now you can unwind. Guess what? It's a thing. Yes, I'm here to tell you. And if you don't want to hear it, I don't care. But I see through my downloads. Thank you for the 159 that I saw. Thank you for them. I can see that with my downloads, people are listening. I, I believe in, I know how things take time. I believe in it. I don't feel like I have to race, but people are listening. Be energized. I am here to energize you. If you like this blog or if you like my podcast, because you can find my blog at a warrior's praying, you know, at um, a warrior's praying at wordpress.com. There's some great things on there from when I found my theory and I started elaborating on it. So if you like this podcast, please share it with people who you know are in need of illuminating in their life, you know, energizing. Share it with them. Don't hold out. That could be your service. Remember to compliment somebody. Reach out to somebody who might be suffering in COVID. If you have the funds, pop, get your cash app uh, um, downloaded. Get a little um, texting, group text, or text to somebody you know you want to help and tell them to download a, a cash app and be a blessing to them. It's the holidays. You know, I always did it before that. But, you know, if you're listening and you want to be a blessing, you want to know the secret I'm telling you. Be energized and energize somebody. All right? So download this podcast. Listen. Share. And when I my paraphernalia comes, the t-shirts, be energized. If I've blessed you and you've been blessed, do it. Okay? My cash app is Positive Energy. Okay? You'll find it. I'm Ina L. Akers. Drop some cash up there so I can keep blessing others because that's what I do. I make a point that when my money comes in, I make a blessing to others. So be blessed. Have a supernaturally awesome day. I send you supernatural favor, supernatural love, supernatural understanding, and grace and mercy and favor that surpasses human understanding. All right? I love you. Be energized today. It's Monday. Prepare for your business.